Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our first reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits in the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits in the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our second lesson comes from Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, please bless our hearing and understanding of his holy word. Some people have made great plays on words about this part of what has been called the Sermon on the Mount, although that image is a little misleading. Um, you know, the bee attitudes that people do in embroidery. 
or the, the blessings. And when Jesus' disciples came to him, and it says he taught them, we picture one speech, as, as some movies have done very well, except that in Greek, the taught in one word, the way it's used, we would have to say in English, he used to teach them. That is, it was a progressive form of the verb. They've got a fancy, another, another Greek word for it. But it means a continual action or a repeated action. Like in, in English, if, if we say I'm reading the newspaper, that's what I'm doing right now. I read the newspaper every day as a continuous kind of action. That's kind of what the taught was here. He taught them continuously. This was the, the, the nuggets of the teaching that while he had his disciples on the mountain for some time, he probably explained every one of these points far better than this preacher ever could. But he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The way that's worded in Greek, and all of these, by the way, there's no R in it. It really says how blessed the broken in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not just poor, it's impoverished. The one who is so down and out in spirit that the only trust they have left is in God. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Those who think they're rich in spirit might forget whence they need to get that replenished, but the one who is broke and on his or her knees before God knows whom to trust. This is certainly an appropriate Sunday to read, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the word mourn in Greek in this one was probably heartbroken the mourning of loss of a loved one to death, not just a job or somebody moved away, but deep mourning. It's almost like a roller coaster. Unless you've been way down in the lowest spot, you can't appreciate the high spot. Without having truly grieved, we don't recognize how much we're truly blessed to love. That's the comfort that comes from God. Meek is hardly a positive-sounding word, except that in Greek, among several other meanings attached to it, it's an animal that has been tamed to command. So to have all of our thoughts, feelings, emotions, reactions under self-control, but wait a minute. If I'm in self-control, I'm not in the control of a real perfect master, am I? I need to be under God's control. So one who is meek is one who is never angry when he shouldn't be, but appropriately angry when he should in God's sight and God's wisdom. There are things that we are called to be against, but when we're not, and certainly personal insult, a meek one has enough control to say that sticks and stones may break my, it's not biblical by the way, but it works. You know, but words will never hurt me. Well, they can. Blessed are those who are starving. How blessed the ones who starve and are parched for righteousness. Again, the, the Greek words are much stronger than how the English comes across. They'll be filled, and we're going to hear how when we look back at the revelation to the apostle John. Blessed are the forgiving, for they shall receive forgiveness. 
Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. You've been forgiven. How blessed those who forgive, for they will in turn be forgiven. Blessed are those pure in heart. And the word there, katharos, means cleansed in heart, not naturally pure, purified. Refiner's fire, the Old Testament calls it sometimes, to purify the dross out of metals. An army unit that is cleansed of all of the cowards and runaways and those who are faint of heart was called a katharos unit, a cleansed unit. Now, it's an awful image to use, but it's one that comes up in the use of the word something that has been purified and cleansed as we are to submit our hearts to Christ every day. I think for us that's a process. For as it promises again in the Revelation, they shall see God. I've had to name a sexist term or what it looks like one. How blessed the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are all children of God, This does not segregate out the men, but because in Aramaic, in Hebrew, a son of God was an image of the Messiah. So we have to use a deliberate phrase from the old language. It doesn't mean male or female. It means a special person reflecting an image that God chose for the person. It's just a linguistic term. So we leave it in there to call your, kind of call your attention to it a little bit. It doesn't just mean those who are children of God. That's everybody who's a child of Adam and Eve. A son of God is a special representative of God as we're all called to be. As disciples, we're students. As apostles, we're representatives. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So they persecuted the prophets. Article was published on a social media platform recently listing a couple of kinds of Americans as a greater threat than Hamas, and one of them was Christians. I can't make it up. We need to stand uprightly, be the Christians we're called to be, and show the world and apparently some of our fellow Americans very differently as to who and what we are for one another. And we talk about someone passing to the church triumphant. I'm not sure if, I think I got that phrase from a mentor years ago. And then we see a little bit of the image that the angel took John to see, the apostle John, while he was in exile on the island of Patmos. And he sees this number, and they're not out of the people of Israel or the 12 tribes. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb. Of course, we know who the Lamb is, the triumphant Lamb in this case. White robes and palm branches, remember the symbol of a king coming in peace on Palm Sunday? And what did they shout to Jesus when they waved the palm branches? Remember? Thank you. Who's up? remember and dare to say it in church, that's a problem. Hosanna, save us now, it meant in ancient Hebrew. And salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb, our salvation. The one who can respond to our Hosanna is God. 
And here seen as the Father and the Lamb sitting on the throne, the Spirit swirling around, stirring all the singing. And they have the four living creatures. If you read the description in the chapter before, the four living creatures, it's either a horror movie or a fantasy movie. I'm not sure which. I've referred to this book as St. John's Nightmare. I wonder sometimes. But four living creatures that oddly enough resemble the four creatures that are used to symbolize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four symbols for them and the four creatures, oddly enough, I don't know who got which symbol from what, but that's, that's a reflection of it. And there, like the seraphim were chanting before Isaiah in the temple, here it's a heavenly chorus Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God. And the elder says, hey, John, you're going to write all this down. You know who these are, don't you? John is still baffled by the sight. I can't imagine. And he said, sir, surely you know. I, I don't have a clue. I'm paraphrasing. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Which one is the great tribulation? I can think of about three. The church in its early years, and at different times, different places since, and even now in some places. But in its early years, in its infancy, went through great tribulation over and against the Roman Empire. Other empires and people since have come out against the church as well. But certainly that was the great tribulation, the great persecution by an empire. That would be a great tribulation through which they came. Another was a tribulation a few chapters before in Revelation. The end times are going to be beyond what we can imagine for horrific. These are those who come through the end times in heaven. I don't know about you, but there are days I feel like this life is a kind of a tribulation too. And I'm not there yet, but when I've lived long enough, I'm going to be ready to sing with the saints, I think. But I got work to do yet. I know that. We all do. Work and love and mercy and grace to give. But certainly when we get through that tribulation, and then what are you aware? Jesus tells a parable of some people who were invited to a wedding banquet and one man didn't wear the right outfit. Many years ago, my dad would have called it his best bib and tucker. Old phrase for the, the bib and cummerbund and bow tie of a tuxedo. Well, he didn't have his best bib and tucker on for the wedding feast, and they tossed him out in the street and invited someone in his place. So what would you wear? It doesn't involve bow tie, cummerbund, studs, and cufflinks. It doesn't matter whether the gown is ankle length or knee length for this party, but it be washed in the blood of the Lamb. The very gift of sacrifice and life that we're about to remember at the table that cleanses the spirit, cleanses the soul, symbolically cleanses the robe to a sparkling white. She addressed to be part of the heavenly chorus, singing God's praise around the throne and the, the great comfort the lamb of sacrifice, now triumphant, becomes the shepherd. As I first switched, the lamb becomes the shepherd. 
and they will be guided to springs of living water. They'll be forever safe. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In another part of Revelation, there's a stream of living water that runs through the city of God that is a stream of life. There are four groves of trees, 12 groves, what am I saying? 12 groves of trees so that one is in fruit every month of the celestial year. That's the tree of life that we lost in the Garden of Eden. And the leaves of the trees will be for the healing of the nations. It says in Revelation at the end of it, for the healing of the nations. We see a healing here for, for those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, accept Christ and accept the sacrifice for our salvation because salvation belongs to God and the Lamb. There's a healing to be had. And we pray earnestly as we did already together for the day that it will come. The nations of the world will be healed and know those, those beatitudes as ways of life. But we also have the church triumphant to look forward to. Singing God's praise with a celestial chorus, all races, tongues, peoples, nations, whatever, together. It's what we look to today. And we'll look to, I pray, in the days and weeks to come. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.